Yo, this is Pastor Tito here, and this is the Revolutionary Podcast. to now week six of our series and study on the book of Acts as we are reading the entire book and setting over the course of 2022. And the part of, again, why we approach the scriptures the way we do is so that we can learn to revolve more of our life around Christ. Because the more he revolves at the center, the more God does something revolutionary inside and through us. And in order to do that, we must learn to confront the reality of scripture and confront the reality of the truth of God and who we are and rejecting living in denial, which is going to be the focus of our time today. Today's topic, as we're going to look at our verse for today, the one thing that we're going to look at is this idea or this issue of living in denial. All right. We've all been there at some point. We all lived, especially when we were young, when we thought something was cool. Right. And we looked foolish and ridiculous, but we lived in denial. Like, no, this is awesome. You know, this is amazing. Look at this hairstyle, this, 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 that. And, and you know, there's so many of us. We've all lived in denial from time to time. We know people who right now maybe. They're living it right, and then you can't, you wish you could, if you could shake somebody hard enough, or if you could, if slapping would work, how many of y'all would just be, if it, you know, it's like, yo, wake up, right? That would be amazing. Oh, man, some of y'all would love that freedom, that license, just to kind of go and just slap somebody awake. But, oh, well, it doesn't work like that. Um, I was looking at the text because that's one of the things that we're looking at is people living in denial, the dangers of living in denial. And it reminded me of um, this movie that I can't get enough of, and no one can get enough of this one. See, how many times have y'all, I'm not even going to ask if you've watched it. I'm going to ask you how many times have you watched Encanto, all right, on Disney Plus, right? That movie, everybody be watching that movie a thousand times. And so there's a line at the beginning without spoiling it. If, you have, if you're one of the rare few that hasn't seen that movie once. Let me, you know, the whole premise of it is there's a special family that has all these special gifts and they all have these magical powers minus one. And her name is Mirabel. And they say that, oh, I'm just as special as everyone else, though they have obvious magical traits and she does it. And so one of the kids looks at her at the beginning and says, I think your gift is living in denial. You know, it's really cute because it's like, how can you say you're as special as everybody else when you can't do what they do? So you might have a gift that's living in denial. We all know people that have that gift of they, they're living in denial. But the thing is that when we look at all of that, we know, guys, that uh, that's a dangerous thing to do. You know, there's a lot of people, especially as, as believers, especially as Christians, we want to make sure that the living hope that Jesus has given us, we want to make sure we live, you know, and, and we in order to live, we got to be real with each other. And it is so sad to have, and I, I get it, but it's so sad for so many people, especially within the church, to put up masks and to pretend like, I'm okay, when in reality, they're not okay, you know? And that's kind of the whole premise of the movie is, you know, there's a famous song, right? We don't talk about Bruno, now you're going to be singing it in your head, I know it, I'm sorry. But the, the irony of that movie is, we don't talk about anything. We're not talking about what I'm struggling with, what I'm dealing with. And that's why there's so many issues, let's say, in that, in that movie, because that's reality. You know, your secrets make you sick, right? And that's the thing. And living in denial is not a good thing. You know, if you're okay, but no, you're not, right? You're, you're not okay. There's some people that'll tell you, I'm fine. But really, they're frustrated. But they're, they want to just lie to themselves and everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay, right? They do that. There's a lot of people who say, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm busy, They'll tell you they're busy. They don't want to tell you that they're burnt out. 
right? And so in order to truly address issues, we can't pretend that they don't exist. And so it's really important, all right? And then we're speaking of, again, you know, we're looking at to the ends of the earth and seeing how far the gospel has gone and what God is doing. As we're going to look at the scripture today, we want to make sure and understand, and I think you all know this, that living in denial is not a gift. It is a burden, right? Living in denial is not a gift. It is a burden. You can't truly live if you're living in denial, especially if you're living in denial towards the truth of God. And so we're going to look at that in our text today. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 22. So I hope you have your Bibles out. Let's get ready to take some notes. And here's going to be our first verse. And we're going to start Acts 4, 13. Just one verse. And we're going to cruise through the text. So here it says, when they, and they are the disciples, when they observed, the, no, I'm sorry, they is the Jewish leaders, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John, and they realized that they were, keywords, uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I, I love that description of them. How many, how many of us as believers would we love for people when they described us? I'm like, listen, I don't know much about you, but I know you spent time with Jesus. Wouldn't that be an amazing description? I, I want that for me. I love that. And so, all right, as we're looking here, we're going to look at one big issue that sometimes we, we, it's a lie that we believe in or we try to live in denial of this, one of this element. So one of the things here is this, is, is the lie that so many of us believe that I am not enough. I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that. I'm not strong enough. I'm not able enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough. And, and I love this because Peter and John could have easily had said something like that. You know, just as a backup, you know, looking, connecting to this week, we continued the story of where we left off. And where we left off is God used Peter and John to do a miracle. They, they miraculously healed a man that the Lord said, hey, that guy. Out of all the beggars, out of all the people that were hurt or diseased, the Holy Spirit highlighted one person. They went, prayed for that person. That person got healed. And then 5,000 people came to believe in Jesus because they said, how did this happen? Well, let me tell you about the name of Jesus. Well, Peter and John got arrested. And that's where we left off last week, where they were being arrested and interrogated. And after their interrogation, as Peter and John are literally telling the Jewish high council, the ones who know the Old Testament scriptures better than anyone else, here they are standing boldly in front of them, declaring the very name of Jesus that the people there are the ones who conspired to kill their Messiah and to kill their leader, Jesus. The very people. And they know this. And they know they know this. And there they are boldly standing. It's like, listen, do you not know what we did to your teacher? And here you are. And you're correcting us? You're correcting us of the scriptures? And that's why they were amazed at their boldness. And But the thing is, guys, is so many of us as Christians, we look and sometimes we're like, well, I can't do that. I'm not Peter. I'm not John. I'm not this. I know some of you may look at other Christians and say, well, God uses that person, but not me. I'm not blank enough. I don't know enough. All right, anyway, am I missing an excuse? Can I keep going or are we good there? All right. Oh, whatever excuse. I'm not a whatever enough. But this is so cool because, see, they could not, again, deny the impact of them having been with Jesus. And honestly, that is the point. Peter and John were untrained, uneducated men. They did not. They were just blue collar dudes. And they did not have the training that these guys did, but they were rightfully, you know, correctly handling scripture. How are they doing this? It's because they spent time with Jesus. They spent three years with him. 
Not only that, before he, he was crucified and rose from the dead, they spent 40 days after the resurrection with him. And then, as we've been looking, they have been still daily interacting as the church. They're, they're, they're praying together. They're seeking. They're still walking with the Lord by the Holy Spirit together. And they're still spending time with Jesus. And this is the impact, guys. If you want God to use you, well, then you got to show up. And that's kind of one of the points to just to encourage you about living in denial is this right here, that God cares about your availability more than your ability. You have nothing to offer him. You're not somebody like a blue chip, you know, four star athlete. Like, no, none of us, regardless, me too. We have nothing. Our ability doesn't matter. We have nothing that we contribute. That God says, ooh, there's something special in you. No, God is looking for available people. Availability. People that are willing to spend, again, that time with God, live surrendered to the scripture. This is why, these are the types of people, why God uses some people more than others. It's not because some people have more ability than others, it's because some have more availability. They spend more time in prayer, more time in scripture. Now, I'm not telling you to, no, don't have a life. I'm not telling you that neither. There's a balance to that. But again, it's those that are, when the God leads them and moves them, they say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. See, they were just minding their business, going to the temple to worship and to pray. That's what Peter and John were doing. And then the Holy Spirit quickens their eyes to one man. And they said, yes, sir. Yes, Lord. And they went and they let, they were available in that moment. They said, nah, Holy Spirit, nah, nah, man, I gotta go. I gotta, I'm gonna be late for church. I'm gonna be, no, 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 right now. And they were available. And see, what you and I, this is how we live. You and I as believers, we are, we are the sail to the, a ship. That's one of it. Like if you ever, I've never been on a sailboat before, but you guys know how sailboats work. We all know that, right? In order, I love pirate movies and all that stuff. And so in, in order for a boat, a sail ship to go, the sail can't be wrapped up, right? It has to be surrendered. It has to be loosed. It has to hang so that the wind can take it and push it, right? It's the wind. It is the wind that is fueling and moving the ships. It is not the sail. The sail is positioning itself so that the, it can catch the wind. Guys, that's all we're supposed to do. That's all we're supposed to do for the spirit of the living God, the wind of the breath of God. He is moving and leading constantly. But if we are closed off to him, he's not going to affect us. You see that? If we're closed off to him, he's not going to lead us. What we need to do is live a surrendered life, a surrendered life when we feel and said, yes, Lord, this way I need to say this, do that. That's the point of it is to live that kind of surrendered life. And that breath, the reason why that breath of life is blowing is because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave like we were talking about. He is a living God that is still today in the world. He is still doing that. He is alive today. So who of us should be, you know, who of us should have, again, that curtain, that, that flag, that, that, that sail open, open to the Lord. It's our availability to him. And the way if we do that, God will use us in some crazy ways too. All right. God will use us in amazing ways, but it is all about our availability. That's what we have to offer. So I want to tackle that first lie that hopefully if you're living in denial, well, I am not enough. That's a lie that we want to just squash right now. No. No, it doesn't matter. It is the Lord that, like Paul says, it is not I, but Christ who lives in me. And he lives because he rose from the dead still. And so let's look at this next verse now in verse 11 through 14. So let's look at this together. And since they saw the man who had been healed, they, the Jewish officials, <clears throat> they saw the man was healed, standing with them. They had nothing to say in opposition. Now we're going to talk about that one in a minute. They had nothing to say. 
After they had ordered the, they, they ordered, after they ordered them, Peter and John, to leave the Sanhedrin, which was their kind of like Congress kind of thing, they conferred among themselves, saying, "What should we do with these two, Peter and John? What should we do? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everybody living in Jerusalem. This is undeniable, and we cannot deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people." Let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called them, so they called for them, Peter and John, and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, what is amazing about that statement is again, here is someone that they saw. They all knew this man. We talked about this last week that he this guy was born lame. All right. Think of somebody with extreme. Cerebral palsy, he would be considered somebody extremely handicapped in today's standards, okay? He couldn't do anything for himself, feed himself, move, nothing. Extreme. You guys seen people like that. I got cousins, I got family that are like that. I'm pretty sure we've all, if we're not related, we know somebody who is, okay? And so imagine in one second you see them, and then in the neck, and, and those people that are extreme, that their muscles aren't activated, right? They're very skinny right? They, they don't have the motor functions, right? Their, their muscles are not, are not defined and so many other things are not defined. Could you imagine that person going from that to standing up and then having a fully functional body with muscles? Now they got calves now, they got this, they got that. It is like they all just popped out of nowhere. I'm like, whoa, that would be, it'd be one thing if they stood up. It'd be another thing if they filled out. You, you see the, can you imagine again this? That, and they all knew this guy. This guy lived there. And they're like, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like, this was undeniable. They could not deny the miracle. But apparently they were okay denying the message. Look at that. I mean, literally they were seeing this like, the logic would have gone this way. Okay. I know this guy. This is who he was. This is who he is. And it was in the name of Jesus. The same Jesus we crucified, and if, if this is real, then that means Jesus must be real, and if Jesus is real, that means he's Messiah, then oh my gosh, what have we done? Then this should have led to repentance. But they're seeing this undeniable miracle, and they're like, still, rejected. They denied the message. They didn't want to go there, because they loved their power, their pride, too much to let that go, to admit that they were wrong in front of the people. And they were like, we threaten them. Let's threaten them. So uh, there's one thing as we see this, guys, I want to encourage you with something because see, you know what these guys would have been happy with? Check this out. These guys would have been happy if Peter and John just kept living their life as long as they didn't mention what? Jesus. They're okay with the miracle. At this point, they're okay with the miracle. And I, and I don't think it's too much to say they would have been fine if they would have just gone out there and healed everybody as long as they didn't say type it, Jesus. They were, they're, they're fine with that as long as they don't mention Jesus because they didn't want it to spread anymore because it was a threat to the establishment and so many things that they held so dear to. These guys willfully wanted to live in denial. Look at that. But one thing that I want to encourage you for us as we look at this is the, the lie that so many of us, even as believers, we fall for. Some, there's some of us, listen, that we, we fall for this today. 
Because see, the enemy, the, which is the devil, and we believe the devil is real and demons are real and there's a kingdom of darkness out there that does not want the gospel to spread. They don't want the, everyone to find out the good news that Jesus has defeated sin and death and that there's salvation in Jesus' name. They want everybody to plug their ears and just la la la, la la la, don't hear it, don't hear it, la la la. That's what they want. That's what they want to do. And they're threatening still. And there's a lot of Christians, tell me I'm not the only one, I know I'm not lying, who struggle with sharing their faith because they're intimidated. What are, what are people going to say about me? What, 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 if, what if I do it wrong? What, 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 if, what if I get in trouble with my boss? What if they, I lose my friend? What if I this? What if I that? What, what, if, what if? There's all these what ifs and there's a lot of people that live intimidated. Why? Because the enemy does not want the gospel to spread. It wants the good deed that God did to end and die with you. He wants, if he can't undo, if you are saved, that's it, it's stuck. So the enemy is going to do their best thing. If they can't get you, if they can't keep you from being saved, the enemy is going to do everything possible to let that good work die with you and for God not to use you to duplicate that in somebody else's life. And so the good, the lie that you and I all have to kill today and crucify is it is good enough to do good deeds. That's it. It's good enough to do good deeds. This is this permit says, you know, keep doing good deeds. Just don't spread the good news. And I'm telling you, it's good. It is good for us to do good deeds, but it is essential for us to share the good news. It is good to do good deeds. We should. Why? Because there's good news attached to it. And the thing is, I want to encourage you guys with this right here is that, look, sin enslaves our minds and it tries to get us to reject the truth. This is what, and this is what sin does. This is what the flesh does, what the enemy does. He's going to want, again, to threaten us. He wants to intimidate us. Don't say it. You're going to get in trouble. Don't say it. You're going to get blocked on Facebook. You might lose that job. You might lose that promotion. You might this. You might that. You, there's other people in other countries, part of the country, that if they say something, you're going to get arrested. And when they get arrested, they don't come back home. They don't come back home. Sin wants to enslave. And this is what you and I do, man. This is, what, this is why sin is so dangerous, why we shouldn't play around with sin. Because all it wants to do, it feeds the side of us called our flesh that has an appetite for everything that is anti-God. And it wants to reject it fully, constantly. This is sin, rejecting, rejecting the truth of God. It wants to live in another lane. And so we have to be aware of this, number one. But two, we got to be aware that, again, who has the greater power? Not sin and death in the grave. Who has the greater power? It is Jesus. Jesus, listen, the enemy still has a few things up their sleeve. But you have to understand something what Jesus did on the cross. When Jesus rose from the dead, he gave death a death blow. All right? I want you to know the scriptures calls, um, I want to say something, the scriptures calls Satan He's, roar, he's a roaring lion, like roaming around like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour. But this lion, like I've heard it said many times, he has a roar, but he doesn't have a bite anymore because Jesus declawed and defanged this. That's, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He still has a, he can still bite you, can still swallow you, still numb you, you know, with his gums. He can still numb you to death, maybe. Suffocate you. But he's a toothless lion. I mean, and because... Jesus is the one, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. And so why should we fear men? And why should we fear the very one that Jesus has already defeated? He's lost. Why do we care? No, instead, this is where the fear of the Lord comes in. It means, Lord, no, there is, I'm going to put greater respect on your name compared to anything else. And it is essential, guys. It is essential for us. It's not enough for us to do good deeds. 
It's good that we should, but it is better that we share the good news. Again, imagine, imagine this. <clears throat> imagine we go out to dinner, and we, I go over to your house, let's just say that, and I bring you a spread. And the spread's good, right? Let's say I bring you a nice little steak, right? And a little, little medium rare, little potatoes on the side or whatever, right? And so imagine that. Imagine I bring you a good meal. And you eat this like, I have never had a steak like this ever in my life. Where did you get this steak? Oh, I'm not telling. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not telling you. First off, isn't it weird, right? If, if you shared an amazing experience and they say, wait, where'd you get this? And if I'm like, mm-mm, my secret. Bro, what? stop being a jerk, right? And so, but think about that. If we do good deeds and don't share the reason and where and the how, it's like the same thing. It's like the same thing. What good is it? No, show them where you got. Show them if you're making a difference, show them the difference that Jesus has made in you. It's, it's okay to do good deeds. We should. But ultimately, we are called to reflect the good news of Jesus all the time because, yo, it's good news for a reason. All right? It's good news for a reason. So here they are there. Peter and John are intimidated. They've been kind of scolded, right? They got sat on the couch. I'm like, don't you ever say that name again, right? And though, here they go. Let's read now Peter and John's response. Peter and John answered them, I love this answer, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, listen, you decide, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And what have they seen and heard? What have they seen and heard? Not a healed man that has, not a lame man who's been healed, they have seen the risen Jesus come to life. They have seen and heard the good news of the gospel. But I love this sentence because look at the swagger on Peter right here. I mean, again, the boldness on him because what is he? Remember, who is he talking to? He's talking to the religious elite, the priests, the high priests, the ones who are able to enter into the temple closer to anyone else. If there was anybody who was going to know the voice of God and the will of God and have a connection with God, it should have been them. And here he says, listen, you want us to stop talking? All right. It's up to you. All right. If you think it's better for us to listen to you or listen to God. And so in essence, what is he saying with that statement? You're not listening to God. Again, the very ones who should. You tell me if it's right for us to listen to God or listen to you. <laughs> Already there. That would what a beast. Oh, Peter. Oh, I love that guy. But we are unable to speak. Stop speaking, guys. This, why? Why? Wouldn't you be grateful? Wouldn't you be extremely grateful if somebody saved your life one day? Wouldn't you tell that story over and over and over again about the one person who, if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for them, wouldn't you tell that story? Wouldn't you love to tell that story over and over again? Same thing for us. Why should we ever stop speaking of the one who has saved our soul from hell itself? Why? We shouldn't. And so this is the same boldness that we have, but there's an interesting little element here. Uh, let's tackle another lie that sometimes people like to live in denial of or in, and, and it's this, all right? It's that, listen, they are saying no to their local government on, on this ordinance. Stop speaking in the name of Jesus. Do whatever you want. Do good deeds. Just don't talk about Jesus. And so here's the lesson that we need to learn for today. God asks us to obey the government. That's true. That's scripture. But we are not called to bow the knee. Two different things. We are called to obey government when you know, when it's right. And most of it, you know, okay, the laws, there's simple things here and there. That's okay. all right. You can disagree and agree on if one is better or not. But ultimately, we are called to obey the government. But we never do it at the expense 
of who we worship. Obeying the government is one thing. Bowing the knee to government is something completely different. It is something completely different. And that's what Peter and John are modeling. You know, they were very respectful and, and they weren't going to do anything. They're not trying to cause a problem. You, you feel me here? These aren't insurrectionists or nothing like that. They're not some, you know, you fill in the blank there. That's not what Peter and John want. They're out here trying to help the, and that very people know the truth of Jesus. And so it is very important. We only bow the knee to one man and that is Jesus. That's it. That is the only one we bow our knee to. And what we are called to do is not live contrary to our conscience. That's what this is all about. So, you know, there could be certain things I'm like, okay, I think that law is dumb. Or I think that law is silly or whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Okay, do it. All right. You pay your taxes, do your stuff. That's what we're called to do. All right. Now, but if we see anything go out of bounds, anything, when the government starts mandating to us that you do this, you don't do this, when it comes to who we worship or how, then that is a rightfully our duty and responsibility to say, you've crossed the line. You've crossed the line. No, because it is our right and duty when government ever tries to replace God, act like God, be like God. It is our loving responsibility to say no, to say no, because that when people, when governments move in that way, they promote a false gospel. They promise you heaven and, per, and just give you hell every time. That's what they do. And so it is not, how, it is not us, to, it's not obedient to God to say, well, God, you told me to obey, so I have to kind of do, you know, I got to do it. Like, again, if, if you know, living contrary to your conscience, if your parents told you to do something wicked and wrong, hopefully, hopefully you would be like, mom, no, I love you. I'm not trying to be rebellious. No, that's wrong. I'm not going to do that because that's wrong. Is that now not honoring your mother and father? Well, no, but that is, that is because you're telling your mother and your father the truth out of love. Mom, dad, that's wrong. That is honoring to them. And it is honoring to your heavenly father. In the same way, when representatives, they state, God, it is a loving thing to say, listen, you are out of bounds. You are out of bounds. We are loving them and telling them the truth. And we are honoring our king. That's what matters. You know, we've all, we've all, you know, some of us have been in school, some of us still are, some of us have been a little bit, but you guys remember the Pledge of Allegiance, right? Learning the Pledge of Allegiance and standing there, like, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, right? What does that mean? There's a sense of loyalty and responsibility to a country when we play, pledge our allegiance. As Christians, we are dual citizens here. Peter and John understood this as Jews and Christians because this was their context. We live as dual citizens. And though we may pledge a temporary limited allegiance to a government, we need to remember that we pledge our ultimate allegiance to a kingdom over a country. Because every single country has a time limit. Every single country has a time stamp on it. But we, we represent a kingdom that is going to be eternal, that will never go away. And so we never, it is okay for us to love and pray for our government officials, but we do not bow the knee. We live greater, we, so we live for something greater than a country, we live for a kingdom. Why? Because we have this king who has purchased it and conquered it through his victory over the grave. This is what, it is so much better, guys. It is so much better than anything, anything that a country can offer us. We have a kingdom which is better that we live for, a kingdom that we represent. I know like the Olympics are going on right now too, right? And everyone is boldly going out there and having, waving the flag, right, of their country. That's pretty cool. It's a special, and it means a lot for those people to represent their nation during these Winter Olympic Games. But at the same time, we should have that same badge of honor to wave the flag of Christ 
and to say, listen, hey, I, I am boldly glad to represent him above all. That's an important one for us. And so we see them modeling that. And then here we have our uh, last verse. So what do we see? So one uh, last lie that we're going to look at. So after threatening them further, so I guess they didn't get the memo and then just kept on going at it and threatening and threatening and threatening. After they threatened them further, the Jewish officials released Peter and John. They found no way to punish them. Why? Because the people were all giving glory to God over the, what they had done. They had done nothing wrong. And uh, it's amazing. Everybody was hyped up. Look what God has done. Look, so they're going to look like the bad guys. So they just let them go. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man. How old was he? 40 years old. Got it. No. Now, I, I read the scriptures and I try to preach with you in a minute to help you guys also to see there are so many nuggets buried inside even the most simplest rocks. And we're going to turn over one little rock right now and you're going to see something pretty cool. Some of us would have been like, all right, he was 40 years old. Next. All right. Why would Luke, Luke is a doctor, by the way, a physician, the one who wrote the gospel of Luke and Acts. Luke is a very detailed person and he puts details not by accident. So why did he, led by the Spirit, why was it necessary to include the miracle that this guy was 40 years old? Well, first off, it, it, it tackles one cool element and one lie that we're going to unpack, the last one for today. So we're not living in denial. It's this, that I am disqualified because of my past. Now, here's the thing. This guy was 40 years old, born in this condition. If you remember, this guy was not somebody who was an able-bodied person and then eventually got sick. No, this wasn't somebody who got into an accident and then now he's permanently scarred. No, he was born extremely handicapped from day one. All right. And that was his life for 40 years. So the fact that he said this is 40 years old says a lot. Number one, uh, no one's going to want to fake this for 40 years. Number one, okay? No one's going to want to fake this for 40 years. So could you imagine, again, I got, some, I got some relatives, I got friends, and I'm pretty sure you know somebody. Could you imagine if somebody was pretending to be handicapped for 40 years and then out of nowhere, psych, oh man, I got you so good. I can't believe it. Oh man, you bought, you believed it that I had this the whole time I'm standing there like this and you thought, bro, I'm laughing inside. Oh, I got you guys. Oh man, this was great. Would you not want to strangle that individual? Like, would you not want to strangle them if it was like, bro, I've been wiping your butt for 20 years and this is, and you were faking it the whole time. You know, like you were doing this. I was giving you money and you were pretending like what? I'm gonna, oh, oh my gosh. And so, so the first off, the, the fact that this was 40-year-old man who was born in this condition, that's a detail that shows that, listen, this was not faked. This miracle was undeniable. He was, this wasn't a faker. This guy was real. This really, really happened. And what's amazing about this, guys, is that ever since this moment, when he stood on his now two working feet and functional legs and everything... He was never going to go back into that again. That was it. It was over. And so what I love about this, again, remember, that was our condition as believers. We are born crippled, handicapped because of sin. But when Jesus raises us to new life, when we put our faith in him, listen, that doesn't get undone. That doesn't get undone. And that old life, that beggar life is done with. And so the last point that I want you guys to understand that you're not living in denial of this truth is this. No matter how long you were a sinner in Christ, sin no longer has a hold on you. You got to remember that. You need to hold on to that and remember that. 
Because again, the lie that you and I would struggle with is, well, I've done too much. I'm disqualified. I have a past. I have a this. I have a that. It doesn't matter anymore. Because he could have said, well, I've been begging for 40 years. So I'm not going to, what, what can I do now? A lot, bro, live. You know, you've been a beggar for 40 years, couldn't do anything. So go live now. This is it, guys. I want you to know no longer how you, no longer, um, no longer you were a sinner. It doesn't matter. In Christ, it no longer has a hold on you. When God redeems you, it's like recycling. All right. You've ever seen something that you ever purchased something that was recycled, right? They have these shoes that are recycled shoes, you know, that they're made of all this other stuff. Once it is now a shoe, it is no longer whatever the garbage it used to be. It was garbage. It was pointless. It was useless. Now it's recycled into something else. And now that recycled shoe can't go backwards. It can't be what it was. It's a shoe now. You see what I'm saying? And that's what we do. God, when God restores us to new life, it's like we are recycled to new life. We are repurposed, refurbished. And th this is why Peter and Paul would say, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. That's your old life. It doesn't matter. That guy is dead and buried. Live your life now. This is a new life that God gives us. And so, guys, I want to encourage you. I know we can look, and this is probably one of the best tactics, and it works. This is why the enemy does it. He loves to bring up our past. He loves to bring up our past. Because if we live in the past, you can't live in the present. And you can't even look forward to anything in the future if you live according to the past. But you need to remember, what you're look, when you look into your past, whatever the enemy is saying is there, it's gone. It's a figment. Of, it was real, but it's a figment of your imagination. It's like it was. It's like it never was because Jesus blotted that out with His blood, and so you have that to stand on in the present in order to move forward. It does not matter anymore. We are that new creation, and the reason why we are new is because Jesus rose from the dead and He got a resurrected body, a new one that now is different. And guys, this is what it will be one day for us. But right now we have a soul that has been resurrected, a new one that we are now called to live in, not to go back into the old ways. And I want you to think about this. See, this lame man, I want you to process this for a moment. This lame man had a living, made his living for 40 years as a beggar. Dude can't do that anymore. Why? Because his feet work. Okay, his feet work. He doesn't have churros for legs anymore, right? I mean, he's, he's good. He can do something with himself. He's an able-bodied person. So he can't sit back down and beg. He has to do what now? I got to learn how to live. I got to learn how to work. I got to learn a skill now. You know, I got to learn to live. Peter and John, same thing. When they were resurrected to new life, okay, now we got to learn how do we live in the spirit? How do we live according to this new life? And as believers, it's the same for us. God has given us now a second life. And so now we are called to learn to live. And that's why you're here. So many of you, that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. We are looking at Christ. We're spending time with him in order for him to continue to shape us and to mold us so we can learn, not so we can know better. No, we are learning so that we can live and do better. And it's Christ in us so we can point that there is nothing better than putting your trust and confidence in Jesus. And so when it comes to denial, there's something that I want to encourage you with. Let's not live in it. Denial is not something to live in. No, we're supposed to give it. Give your denial to Jesus. And you do got to learn to do one thing. It's called deny yourself. See, this is why living in denial, it, it hits right inside because there is something, actually there is someone that you are called to deny. And the flesh wants you to deny Jesus. When God says, no, you need to deny you. There's a difference. You and I are hardwired to deny someone. 
The flesh wants us to deny Jesus. The enemy wants us to deny Jesus. And Jesus says, nope, you need to deny yourself. You're supposed to not live in denial, you give it. Peter is a great example of this. I, 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 saw, this on, I saw this on a post. Um, it was really cool. It was talking about Peter and Judas. They both were two people that lived in denial for a time. Peter was somebody who knew Jesus, right? They were both apostles with Jesus. And what does Peter do? Peter did not deny that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter believed that he was the Messiah. But then when he was, on the, when he was arrested right before the cross, what did Peter do three times? Some of y'all know he denied Jesus three times. Now, he did not deny that Jesus was the Messiah. He just denied knowing him. When they said, hey, is that you? Yeah, you're one of his boys, right? I can tell by your accent. Bro, no, man. And so he denied knowing him three times because he was afraid. If they have him arrested, what are they going to do to me? If they're going to do that, what are they going to do to me? He was thinking of himself. He did not deny Jesus as Lord and Savior. He denied knowing him to save his own butt. Judas did deny Jesus. But Judas denied that Jesus was the Messiah. He thought he was going to be something else. The one to usher in this kingdom. And Judas thought he was, whew, I'm in at the ground floor level. Jesus is going to make me an executive to, you know, treasure for the nation. If I'm his treasurer now, bro, I'm going to be secretary treasurer. I'm going to be running this whole thing. And so he was looking out for himself. He did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah for the savior of the world, forgiveness of sins. He thought he was just going to be another guy, another king to follow, that he was going to ride his coattails for success. What did Peter do that Judas didn't? Peter took his denial and eventually brought it to Jesus and he admitted and asked for forgiveness and Jesus forgave him. He gave him his denial, right? Jesus brought, I mean, Peter brought his denial to Jesus and Jesus forgave him. Judas held on to that denial and he brought it with him to the grave. Peter died to his sin. Judas died in his sin because he held on to that. And so, guys, I want to challenge you. Listen, the one thing you and I are called to not deny is him. We are called to deny ourselves. And that sounds weird. Let me show you what Jesus said. Last verse, Luke 9, 23. Then he said to all of them, Jesus talking to his disciples, he says this. If anybody wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. How often? Daily. daily. Take up his cross daily and follow me. This is one that a lot of people misunderstand and they look at it differently because when they say, what does it mean to deny myself? Some people think denying myself means I have to deny and like kill my personality, kill my uniqueness. No, it's not. Denying yourself is not denying who you are as a person, as an individual. It's not that. And then some people say, well, what does it mean to take up your cross? Well, some, some people believe that, well, taking up my cross is like a problem I had to put up with. Right? I was like, oh, yeah, my boss is, my boss is difficult, man. But, hey, that's, that's the cross I got to bear. You know, yeah, I got this issue. My kids are teenagers now. They're, you know, they're eating me out of house and home, and they don't want to listen. They think they're smarter than me. But it's, I'm a mom. I'm a dad. This is the cross I have to bear. Anyone ever heard of that one? Well, I got sick. I got cancer. I have this, but it's the cross I have to bear. Anyone ever heard of you people use that phrase before? That's not how it works, okay? Number one, this is good news. That is not the cross Jesus is talking about. He's not telling you, deny yourself, shut your personality off, and just deal with obnoxious things and put up with your problems for the rest of your life, and you'll be worthy of me. No, it doesn't mean that. The cross that we are called to bear is different. When he means deny yourself and take up your cross, literally what it means is to make one one-time decision and then daily decisions. To deny yourself 
All right? Day, one time is when you recognize and trust that God is your Savior and you can't do it. That's a one-time decision that you make. When you put your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's a one-time decision of denying yourself, of I'm not trying to save myself. I'm not trying to do this on my own. God, I need you. And so to trust in him is to deny yourself and to acknowledge the fact that he died on that cross for you. And then to carry your cross daily is this. It means now following him as Lord. We trust him as our savior and follow him as Lord. And that is something that we have to do daily, every single day. Remember like the, the whole element of, of, the, of the sail, right? We need our sail to be down and open so that the Lord can move. And so in this way, when we make our daily decisions, it doesn't mean that God, we have to, you know, God doesn't have to co-sign every decision that we have to make. Okay? It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean, well, God, what should I wear today? The blue shirt or the red shirt? You know, well, what should I, where should I go out to eat? What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Listen, it's okay. All right? No, we, we can make very spirit-filled, rational decisions. God's not always going to have to do that. That's not what this means. To pick up your cross is to pick up the one thing that God has for you. Jesus said, listen, if you're heavy burdened, if you're tired, don't live in denial and pretend that everything's okay. No, he says, if you're heavy burdened, come to me. I will give you rest. And I, let me take on the yoke and now take on a lighter yoke, another burden. And the burden that we're supposed to take, it's light. It's easy. It doesn't mean that life gets easy. It doesn't mean that everything will always go your way. No, because the burden, the cross that we are called to bear is now a relationship with our God. That's what he wants you to have. We, when we choose daily, it means, Lord, I want to choose to follow you today, not the culture. I want to follow you today, not this. When that person, you know, that flesh inside of you, that old ratchety hood self come up and be like, start acting a kind of way, talking a kind of way. He'll be like, no, sit down. All right. It means that's what it means is work, walking, learning to walk more in the spirit, in the love of God. And when you do and when that's some when that one side of you kind of gets out of control and you okay, hold on. I'm sorry, Jesus, forgive me. Help me to kind of round this up a little bit better. That's what it means. We are called to deny ourselves in order. That's interesting. You deny yourself in order to find yourself. That's what Jesus is saying, because you find yourself in him. You can't, if you deny Christ, you will never find yourself. And that's what the world constantly says. That's what the world offers. So guys, I, we give our denials to Jesus. We don't want to live in it. We give it to him and learning. He can show us how to deny ourselves so that we can do what? Live. It's a relationship that he invites us to. That's the cross that you and I get to bear. It is one in which the Lord goes with us. And if you know Jesus, Jesus had to carry his cross and he didn't carry it alone. There was a man who came alongside him to help. And Jesus stumbled and Jesus struggled to carry that cross up that hill. And you and I, we're going to stumble. We're, there's going to be times when we're not going to be able to walk and, and maybe we you know, may, may fall as we're stumbling. But I, I love this, this image that, listen, if, if we can't walk, if you can't carry your cross, cling to it. If you can't cling to it, okay, just, I mean, just look to it. But you don't abandon it. You don't let it go. Whatever that motion is, this is the decision that you and I need to make every single day is to know. Uh, we, we don't want to live in the lies. No, we want to find true life. And we do that not by denying 
the truth of God, rejecting the truth of God, but it's by responding to making that daily decision to say, Lord, help me today to be that much more in line with you. It is not about being perfect. That's not the case. And this is what's the beautiful, the cross that he, we are called to bear. It's not about being perfect. It's about drawing closer to him. Because you saw Peter and John, they were different. Why? Because they spent time with Jesus. That's what happens. Spending time with Jesus changes us. It's spending time with Jesus changes us. And so linger, hold, cling, look, keep going. Because he is doing something in us. And this is what's important. And so we need to make a decision like Peter and John did. They made it that day. And we have to make that decision every single day. What did they tell these people? Listen, you tell us if we're supposed to listen to you or God. But we made our decision. We're going to listen to God. That is a daily decision we have to make. Because the world is going to tell you. Every day the world is telling you. The kingdom of darkness is saying. The secret to life is self-fulfillment. Find yourself. Live it up. Do that. The secret to life is self-fulfillment. But in order for you to do that, you have to deny Jesus. That's what the world says. The secret to life is self-fulfillment. You find yourself. You do you. Put yourself first. I got to put myself first. I got to put myself. Do that. You'll find life. But in order to do that, you got to deny Jesus. But Jesus says, no, the secret to life is self-denial. When you deny yourself and follow Jesus, now you find fulfillment. What does the culture say? Follow your heart. Don't do it. Worst advice ever. Follow your heart. Follow Christ. Let your heart follow him. That's the decision that we have to make every single day because I'm telling you there is nothing more fulfilling than following Jesus. Nothing more fulfilling. My challenge to you is again, not to live in denial, but instead give all of your denials, give your doubts, give all of these things to Christ. Give it to him so that you can live. So if you're a Christian, I want to challenge you. If you are living in denial when it comes to certain sin, if you are finding yourself justifying why you shouldn't be forgiving so-and-so, why you shouldn't be doing this, why you should be doing that, and you find yourself refusing and forcing, listen, stop lying to yourself. Who are you kidding? Stop. Give your denials to Christ. No matter how many times you've failed or tripped in trying to carry this cross, stand up, look to Christ and give it back to him. Die to your sins. Don't live in them. Give it to him. And I want to challenge you if you're listening to me still, do not live in denial thinking that you're going to be okay, that everything's going to be fine. As long as you don't do certain things and act a certain way, then you'll be saved. Listen, I do not want you to be disappointed. Do not live in denial. Stop lying to yourself. Okay, I want to tell you the truth because I love you and the truth is that you need Jesus. That's what I needed. There's nothing else that we can do. So step into the light. Receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Trust in Him as your Savior once and for all and then follow Him as Lord each and every day. This is a process. This is a journey. As we're going to see, Peter and John had to learn to go through this. That lame man, as he was healed, now he had to learn how to live and how to find work and how to enjoy and explore this new life. And this is the yoke. This is the cross that God has given us. Carrying on with a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, every single day. That is how 
we become those revolutionaries that Jesus is looking for as we look to follow him as Lord every day. So make your choice. Make your choice, like I said. Listen to the voice of the world that says, hey, the answer is self-fulfillment. Listen to the voice of God who says the answer is self-denial and receiving me and following me. There is a major difference. And I'm here to tell you, choose Christ. Thank you.